Welcome everyone to Try Catch. My name is Brian Wollers, and today I'm going to be talking with Cameron Ludwig, the leader of our CapX team. He also works and leads the prioritization efforts. We're going to talk with Cameron about product discovery and how that changes the way we think about projects or the work that we do and prioritize inside of our teams. Welcome everyone. This is Brian Wollers, and today I'm with Cameron Ludwig, our leader of CapX, and we're going to talk a little bit more about product management and differences between that and a project world. So, Cameron, you've been part of things and learning about what's changing as far as product. How do you see changes coming into CapEx and how your team might handle things differently? What we've been doing in CapEx is really focused on how do we equip people to deliver value in a way that has some sort of constraints that allows the business to determine what are the boundaries of work so that we can make decisions among all the different things that we could do. How do we choose what we're actually going to do? And create an environment where work turns over rapidly and where those decisions can be made frequently about what we choose to do. That type of work lends itself really well to a project mindset where we're looking at feature functionality and breaking things out in kind of that traditional project world. That approach works and it solves a lot of problems. However, it creates a lot more problems as we start to navigate into an outcomes-focused world or more sure. of a product mindset. So I think the biggest thing for us is, and when I think about it from a prioritization perspective, I'll start there. My job essentially, or and our job in, in prioritization is essentially to, how do we provide appropriate constraints that put appropriate boundaries on work while getting out of the way as much as possible. And so the way that we do that in a project world is we say there's a relatively bound set of functionality and there's a relatively bound period of time and then we get out of the way. In a product mindset it's pretty different and the the thing that I'm actively trying to figure out is how do we stay out of the way of teams that are delivering value and yet also have the appropriate boundaries and constraints so that as our business changes and as our needs change, we still have the ability to make different decisions, to insert new work into flow and not get locked up in a given course of action or a given portfolio stance for a long period of time. Sure. So. As you talk about like that priority, the thing that I see differently as well is, um, not differently from you, but differently in yeah. the project world, is that we have, we have a very defined set of goals. And you mentioned it's different now with outcomes. Those outcomes may change. As a leader of a team, I'm handed three months of work. I may come out with something completely different at the end because of the discovery I've done. How do you see being a part of or helping to watch for those priorities and those changes to make sure if I do start to change course, how are you continuing to know the value that it still fits in the original plan or goal? Mm -hmm. What do you see different there? I'll start by saying that kind of discovery is exactly what should happen. And that's 
the challenge is from a process perspective, how do you provide appropriate constraint while allowing that natural and healthy discovery process to occur? Short answer is I don't really know. My guess is that it's probably around focusing on the problem that we're choosing to solve and some appropriate problem-based metrics without trying to stipulate any sort of solution in the way that we approach a problem. So if I say that my goal is to lose 20 pounds, the problem comes if I say well, I'm going to do it in a particular way or if I'm, I'm going to right. solve that particular problem in a particular way. If instead I say my goal is to lose 20 pounds and I believe that by measuring my waist circumference and my weight over a period of time, I will be able to test different interventions and see which of those yield better results. I have some accountability to my goals because I'm measuring things along the way. But the things that I may find, I may find, hey, being a vegan is what works for me. I may find being a carnivore is what works for me. But I shouldn't get locked into a particular solution from the outset. So my sense is that a problem focus is, is probably the best way to go. Okay. And so do you see as projects, as work comes in, I'll change my wording here, <laughs> as work comes in that we would start to define that. And when we sequence a project or work starts, that it would be the outcome that we're trying to rally around. Yes. And my sense also is that in prioritization, we need to develop the mindset that allows us to think about how much are we willing to spend, both in time and dollars, to solve a given problem. So if you said to me, once again, going back to my weight loss example, all right, I can get you to that weight loss goal, and would you be willing to spend $500 to lose that 20 pounds? Well, that allows me to make that value cost decision and say, well, yeah, it's worth $500 to me. It may not be worth $500,000 to me. It's probably worth $500 to me. And there's all of those different things. So if we're putting in front of the business process and prioritization, if we're saying, here is the problem, and here's how much we believe is a reasonable amount to make a difference towards solving that problem, and asking that kind of question, that feels like a, a way to enable the right kind of decision. Okay. So, Cameron, you, you, as we talk about priority and talking about that value, that's something that the prioritization group has always talked about, is value. How do you see our teams, CapEx, working differently to make sure that we're looking at or measuring that value and giving that feedback more frequently, or I'm assuming more frequently, to that priority team? I think it introduces a couple of different ways of looking at things. Number one, I think it creates problems in estimating or guesstimating. Right now, we have a guesstimate process that in which we say, this is a likely solution for a problem, and how much time will that reasonably take from a size perspective, not a duration perspective. And so we go through that process. I think if we focused on the problem, we have fewer tools to guesstimate those sizes. And there are ways to solve that, but essentially then what we're looking at is what is a reasonable bet in pursuit of solving a particular problem. That's one behavioral change. Another behavioral change is we don't do a lot with measurement. And I am very leery of a lot of measurement, and I'm very careful with the things that we measure. But if we were to say 
that for a given problem, and I'll, I'll pick one that you're familiar with, which is the online real estate app. Um, if we were to say things like, we know we're doing well if we are our trend line for customers we attract is increasing. And we know we're doing well if the turnaround time on online real estate decisioning decreases. We know we're doing well if the conversion rate of someone we attract to someone who actually submits an application is increasing. By establishing some of those metrics up front and by establishing the means to track and measure progress along the way, I think it creates an environment in which we have an incentive to deliver quickly, mm -hmm. to iterate quickly, and I think it creates an environment for ongoing rapid learning where we aren't saying, we're going to plan, 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 we're going to do a bunch of development, and then at the end of nine months or a year, we're going to cross our fingers and hope that we delivered something valuable. So what I'd like the prioritization team to start thinking differently around is to start weighing the size of the problem and thinking about those in dollar and time terms okay. mm -hmm. and then using the measurement that we're getting from the progress of teams, practice staying out of the way and not getting involved in the how but really focused on how big a problem is this to me sure, and how much money am I willing to spend in pursuit of solving it. Okay. So you mentioned bets. And when you say that, I think of like the experiments that we might be running to figure out some assumptions or whatever. Do you see as we would take things to priority that we might lay out not only the outcome, but maybe some of our first bets and assumptions that we want to determine one way or another? Would that be helpful? I think it would be helpful. I think we need to be careful that those don't become a lock-in or those don't, those don't become requirements for the team, that they are indicative of what a team's best current thinking is, and they may change at any time based on what the team learns. So yes, I think it's instructive to give a sense of things that we might do or likely approaches. The hard part is having those not become deterministic for what the team ends up doing. Sure. Makes sense. So let's talk about the other side. We've talked about prioritization. We talked a little bit just about a lot of these changes happening rapidly and frequent deliveries. How do you see your team being involved as the project's being worked? As you know, one of the aspects to the team that we've added recently is the change management uh, right. crew. And so I think there's two parts. So number one, I think from a change management perspective, because we don't know exactly what the solution is going to be, I think that really reinforces some really positive behaviors from a change management perspective because we're focusing on what is the need for change? What are the environmental factors that we see that are causing us to think differently about a particular problem? And I think there's a lot of communication that we can do. If I said to you, you know, Brian, this is a decision that I've made and this is what I'm going to do. That doesn't make sense to you if, if you don't have any context. Sure. If, if you and I have been talking and I've been telling you for a while, hey, I've been, I'm thinking about how to solve this problem and I'm, I'm trying some different things and I'm not satisfied with the status quo and this is something that I'm actively pursuing. 
even though I haven't told you how I'm going to solve the problem, just knowing that I'm trying to do something in that space, that preps you and it, it helps you understand that this is something that is under evaluation and is likely to change and it, it opens you up and allows you to go through your own kind of right. ad car personal change process. And so from a change management perspective, I think there's a lot that we can do early on to just let people know that this is a space that we're investigating, even if we don't know exactly how to solve it. From a program management perspective, we have already moved far beyond kind of traditional task management and sure, Gantt chart. And actually, I'll put in a plug, I actually wrote a, an article on kind of how archetypes, program management archetypes, and how we see those differently. I suppose you want to link to that yeah. article. This, yeah, right? well, that'll be in okay. the show notes, right? Yeah, right. All right. Uh, so, <laughs> so, um, so we're already moving past a lot of that. Where I see there being a real opportunity from a program management perspective as we navigate to this space is really helping business owners and teams hold space to do that continuous discovery. How do we, for example, communicate to the organization in a way that allows a project team to stay heads down focused on solving problems. I think program management becomes, part of that becomes managing some of the environmentals. So communicating to stakeholders about where things are. When I say stakeholders, I mean people who aren't involved in the actual right. project, but everybody else. And really creating a level of transparency and visibility to what's happening so that teams can focus on value delivery, but everybody can see some of the key things that are going on so that we don't succumb to the natural pressure to go with what we know and revert to some of that muscle memory of right. tracking things in a really structured way. So it's, it's almost a, an ally or advocacy model where we're coming alongside teams and really helping manage a lot of the extraneous stuff so that teams can focus on value delivery. Well, that sounds great. Hey, as you were talking a little bit about just sharing the message early, I mean, that's what our collaboration and what our teams do best, right? And right. so being able to think through that or as you might share that with me, it would get my brain turning instead of just keeping whatever is going on in the project to myself. It gives me an opportunity to go, hey, Remember Cameron talking to me about that. I should probably go hit him right. up quick. And I and, think that's great. And managing stakeholders and communicating and all that kind of stuff, A, it's really important. And B, in many cases, it can be a full-time job. And that is not the best use of time, I think, for delivery teams in many cases. And so it's how do we serve those delivery teams to really help them be able to focus on what they're uniquely equipped to do and take some of those things that maybe other people could do off of their plate. Well, that sounds great. What we're talking about, it feels like this model changes the way we're not gonna have, I mentioned that three month project. We might have some three month projects and things coming in. Do we see a world where that goes away and a team just now becomes a product only and they get the year bucket of time or what looks different there? That's a great question and I don't know the answer. What I will tell you, so I've talked a lot with companies locally who are very product focused. And when I talk to companies that are very product focused and this, you know, companies like Huddle and others, they have the ability to make bets and focus on their products very well. What they really struggle with is 
some of the stuff that we're very good at, which is hmm. sustainment and okay. helping manage their platform and their footprint and, and their ongoing work. And what I find is companies that are really good at building new capability tend to suck at all of the rest of it. Right. So my sense is, is that as we navigate into more of a product mindset, we're going to need to figure out how to continue to maintain our operation. And my sense is that not all of that is going to be product mindset. There will probably be a place for this is a feature we need to add or this is some discrete work that we need to do. My sense is that we're going to need to find a way to merge more of a, a bet and a problem investigation type mm-hmm. mindset and more of the traditional project base. I think there's a place for both. I don't know what that looks like exactly. And I, I don't know what the percentage is, but my sense is that both have a place. No, that makes sense. And, yeah. and one, one more thing that I wanted to point out too, when we talk about teams going for a year, you know, sure. solving a problem, the hard part becomes we have far more platforms slash products than we do teams. teams. And so part of this is any successful prioritization mechanism needs to incorporate lots of perspectives. And one of those key perspectives is that strategic perspective from ELT and senior leaders. And the ability to say for a given platform or product, the ability for them to say not now, or let's sustain, or let's hold, or let's not invest further in that platform. We have to be able to figure out how to manage that as well so that we're kind of choosing where we invest. Because if everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. Fair enough. So that's the other thing is how do we choose to de-emphasize certain things as well? Yeah, and that makes sense. I can almost see a mode, right? So now I've got a, a product, whatever you want to call it, and depending on its mode, it falls into a, right. right? Hey, I'm I'm in this discovery mode, so all I'm doing is experiments and development of new, where I'm in sustainment or mm-hmm. potentially even deprecation. Right. It would change how it would be. It's like a life cycle product, management right? model. It, completely, yeah, absolutely. Right? Great. I'm curious yeah. if uh, there are any other passing shots that you'd like to take or things on your mind that maybe you thought you'd talk about today. No, the thing that I say frequently, but I think it bears repeating, my goal is that the prioritization process isn't a process. My goal is that the whole thing goes away. And the key is how do we ensure high quality outcomes for our customers with the absolute minimum necessary process. And the biggest advances that we've made in prioritization and in that process are when smart people look at what we're doing and challenge it and break it. And I've been very frustrated (laughs) with Dennis a number of times when he's broken something that I've done, but that process of breaking it and remolding it to incorporate those new perspectives have been the single greatest source of growth and uh, positive development for for the process. So I really want to just open it up. This is something that I think about a lot. I care a lot about. I'm also very dissatisfied with a lot of what we do because I think we can do better. I think we can do more. I think we have the ability to do things that nobody else in this space does. I One of the things I like to say is we've inhabit the space that in most organizations is the PMO. I hate to say that because PMOs suck. And so, and, and yet it plays an important role. And so 
if there's anyone who thinks about this or if you have any thoughts or ideas or suggestions or if you're just a massive geek about this stuff and want to talk about it, um, I really, the, the best we've ever done comes from outside ideas and other people bringing the best that they have to offer to the process. So I really want to just make sure that everyone's really comfortable if they have ideas or thoughts. Let me know. I'd love to love to talk about this and love to figure out how we undertake our next evolution in this process. Awesome. So you've heard it here. If you feel like breaking a process or want to challenge the process, <laughs> stop by Cameron's yes, uh, desk That's and uh, beat him up a little That's bit. Right. So. I love it. Cameron, awesome. Thanks for the time. Yeah, I'm man. super excited about all the changes that are yeah. coming. And I also know just as we experiment in our teams, we'll be experimenting through this process and finding the right way out. So Absolutely. Uh, well, thanks for the opportunity. You bet. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, everyone, for listening in as we talked with Cameron. Cameron had a lot of great thoughts for us about the way we might be doing things differently. Someday, projects may go away as we know them today, and we may move to this product model where we're measuring to determine what's next. I'd probably ask you to think about in the project that you're currently working on, what are the things that you could measure to make sure that you're adding value to your customer or the end user of the system that you create? In our next episode, we're gonna talk with Dennis Curlin the leader of applications development here, and learn a little bit more about what he sees as far as how work comes into our teams, how we may adapt to that work, building metrics around it, and really getting a good understanding of our customer. Look forward to talking to you in the next episode. Have a great day.